Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. The Rangers win, of course, over the Canes 5-2. Now, what does this do? Rangers now 4-0 in elimination games which is really impressive, especially keep in mind elimination game five, six, and seven against the Penguins. And of course, um, now last night, they still have one more, and that's on Monday, and, and a pretty significant one. Why? Because uh, we know this series and, and how it's, it's played out has been uh, all, about, all, all about home ice, right? And this is a Carolina team, 0-6 on the road, 7-0 at home, uh, this is a Rangers team. We know they've won six straight at home. Home ice has meant everything in this series. Why? And, and again, if you listen to our, our Week in Wager show on Friday and, of course, yesterday, I love the Rangers on the money line. Hopefully you played that at minus 115. Um, and all the reasons why, I, you know, my head is saying Canes, you know, obviously the trend. We know what time it is on their home ice and how different the, the feel and the vibe is when, when you do watch these two teams play at, at either location, right? I just feel like when you're watching them play in Carolina, it's just it's tighter defense. When you watch them play at the Garden, it's more speed. It's better passing. It's better offense. It's better quality shots on the net. And, um, you know, I've, I've I opened up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Um, I've asked this before, and I, I love we got Ty and, and Tom who are producing the show as well, and I'd love for you guys to chime in. Uh, you know, the, the significance, you know, this is this is why you play as hard as you do in the regular season, right? To get that home ice, to get that home court. And when you look around sport in general, home field advantage in football, important, but, and, and as the odds makers like to make it like a three-point difference when it comes to home as opposed to away, okay, for me, not so much anymore. I just... You know, I, I, I think there's few and far between stadiums that you can go to when it comes to football that, uh, that, that the crowd noise or the, the crowd presence really has that big of a stake in, in the outcome of a game. Uh, baseball, same thing. I, I mean, you know, we're seeing like obviously dimensions of a baseball field plays into how a team is constructed. Um, for example, like, you know, the Orioles – um, they, they changed their, their dimensions at, um, at Camden Yards and now, you know, they're struggling, right, right-handed hitters are, are now struggling. Their batting averages are down quite, like, a, a good amount. Meanwhile, here's short porch with the Yank, like, so you have that in regard to, like, your stadium or your baseball field and how you, how a general manager constructs a team based on those dimensions, Okay, but, and, and that's pretty significant. But in regard to, you know, how the vibe of an atmosphere and how that has such a big role on a win or loss, right now, 
We're looking at the Golden State Warriors sitting back and waiting to see who's going to win tonight between the Miami Heat and, and the Boston Celtics. And they haven't lost a chase at, at, at their, their court, Chase Center. They haven't. They're just, they just don't lose there. And, of course, we, we know how expensive those quote-unquote courtside seats are. Having that type of uh, close proximity and uh, can, can obviously affect a game, although the Boston Celtics actually have been quite good on the road. Um, and so I think it's, we're, we'll get into that, that matchup a little bit later on the show, but nonetheless, and then when it comes to hockey, you know, granted, you know, you got the plexiglass, but nonetheless, uh, the crowd, the energy, I, I would say, I, for me, it's a toss-up between hockey, NHL, and NBA in regards to home court or ho- home ice advantage and it being crucial out of all the sports. Uh, Tom, Ty, if, if you want to chime in here, just curious to get your attention, I know t- your, your opinion. I know, Ty, you're a big NBA fan. Uh, but what, what do you feel, because this is really what this series is about. It's all about home ice. And now you've got a Rangers team that has an opportunity to win in advance but they have to do something that uh, they haven't been able to do throughout this series and, and, and against a, a Hurricanes team that is just really tremendous at home. What do you think is, is more, um, is it NBA? Is it NHL in regard to more important to get that home ice or that home court? So Ty had to step out for a minute, so I will take this one for now. Um, I think we were talking about this. You mentioned it on Weekend Wager, Anita how we were talking about that home ice advantage in the NHL kind of being what we thought would be the dominant factor. I mean, let's look at the Rangers. They've won six straight at home in these po- in these playoffs so far. And Carolina, I mean, they'll have they'll have the advantage on at home as well. I mean, if you remember the last game um, that they played down there, they were starting to ban they were trying to ban Ranger fans essentially pretty much limiting it to anyone who lived within that Carolina area. That's the only people they wanted at that game. So if you even take that into consideration, I don't think I've really seen an instance of that in NBA off the top of my head. But from the team's perspective, they can even give themselves an advantage by limiting the amount of fans that are there. But, I mean, just in terms of proximity to the ice or the court in the NHL or the NBA's case, I got to go with the NHL being the best home ice or home court advantage just because the fans can be, let's say, more rambunctious at the um, at whatever arena that they are at. 800-919-3776. Uh, what say you? Uh, what's, what, what do you feel is, is a, a bigger, I'm trying to think of the word, like a, a more clutch to get home court advantage in the NBA, home ice advantage, uh, especially in this series, which it's just been absolutely tremendous. Carolina 0-6 on the road, 7-0 at home. Uh, when we come back, we'll do an even deeper dive into this matchups. Shesterkin was unbelievable. 30, 37 saves and two assists, almost three last night. Um, Ranta was great as well, although he was pulled. Three goals and 13 shots. He's been great in this series, an off night last night. Uh, can this Rangers team find a way? to play in Carolina like they do at home at the Garden. Can't that's really that's that's the 1 million dollar question. Can they do it? Uh, let's go to Danny in Long Island. Danny, welcome in. 
Good morning, and first and foremost, I'd like to wish everyone a somber and remembrance of Memorial Day. We all know what the reasons uh, for the holiday is, and uh, take time out to remember those who uh, don't get to watch Game 7 tonight. But anyway, uh, as far as the topic of the, the jour is, you know, I feel like the home field advantage in the NFL is clearly the biggest because the noise level can actually disrupt what the offense of the other team is trying to do. You've seen, uh, you know, all kinds of nonsense go on because of the noise. The, the basketball and the hockey are ongoing where the puck and the ball are going back and forth, so the crowd noise really doesn't get into it. But the thing with the NHL is that there's actually rules that favor the home team, which you don't have in any other sport. Imagine you get to make your line change last in the NHL. Imagine in in NFL football where the visiting team has to put their substitute package in on a play, and then the home team gets to adjust. That's That's how significant that rule is in the NHL. So the home field in the NHL, is significant because of some actual rule changes. And, and traditionally, the bench is in a better position for the home team. They don't have the long change only once, where the visiting team has to run all the way, skate all the way back to the other side of the ice. So the home field advantage in football and hockey actually exists due to structural and, and, and I don't say legal issues, but rule, rule issues. Great point to be made, Danny. Um, appreciate that. Um... You know, and and I don't think and I don't think enough is discussed about that. I don't I don't think that's that's you know especially this postseason in the NHL, Danny. I mean, how many game sevens have we had? I mean, we've really been blessed, right? Like it's been for- very exciting. This see, this series weird because the games all haven't been great because the home team kind of dominated the game so bad that you know like yesterday's game was not. A, I mean, if you're a Ranger fan, it's great, but it wasn't an exciting. Game you're going to be talking about for the ages, but it just it just both teams play very well in their home ice. Yeah, um, and uh, and and this has been a, a common denominator for. Um, and thank you for the phone call, Danny. It's been a common denominator for uh, for a lot of the NHL series. That's for sure. Um, so again, you know, really the big question mark here is: Can the Rangers find a way to play at Carolina like they have at home? The difference in Carolina just you just get the feeling you know it's just tighter defense obviously on on both sides Carolina playing a lot better um but at the garden it just seems like obviously more shots quality shots at the net for uh for the Rangers but also more speed better passing just you know can they can they take that type of um performance package it up take it on the road with them and play like that offensively in Carolina. Really, that's that's the one million dollar question. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Which, by the way, I just got a text message, Tom, uh, from Don Lagreca. He's going to join us uh, on the program at ten thirty this morning. So excited to get Don on. Nobody knows this Rangers team as well as Don. He's got his finger on the pulse better than most. So excited to get Don Lagreca. Uh, Appointment Radio is going to join us in a little over an hour. Uh, to recap the Rangers Canes game, and of course look forward to uh, the Monday night another. Another elimination game uh, for this Rangers team. Can they pull it off on the road? Only time will tell. Uh, we will. We will see. Uh, you know, here the big key. Obviously, we know for the Rangers is is how they have dominated in regard to power plays. Where I want to say, coming into last night's game, I read a stat: the Canes ten somewhere between ten or twelve percent. Uh, in regard to uh, power play opportunities, scoring goals on power play opportunities, so that's a really big key. If there's if there's one uh, you know one huge advantage for this Rangers team uh, that that hopefully can play out 
on their behalf uh, on Monday night is, uh, is, is having success on the power play where we know we saw, I don't think it was the last game, but, but the game before Smith scored, right? Um, it was it, advantage power play for the Rangers, 5-3, but yet <laughs> the Canes scored, Smith scored, uh, which, you know, obviously, as we know, doesn't happen that often. Uh, avoid those type of situations. I just feel, here, here's another thing. It's like, um, you know, out of the games that have been played in this series in Carolina, it's just, it's it's been a odd kind of like a series of odd events and situations that have taken place as to why the Canes have scored or, you know, especially let's, let's go back to that first game, right? Like um, Canes played or the Rangers played a really exceptional game. And unfortunately the puck did not bounce their way. The Canes scored with like what, two minutes left in the third period. Um, And then it went into overtime. And of course the Canes won in overtime, like little, little, little odd things in regard to that's how the Canes won, not necessarily ever dominating the Rangers. As we saw the Rangers really dominate the Canes uh, yesterday, uh, last night at the garden. So, um, I, you know, are you saying there's a chance? Yes, I am saying there's a chance. I'm, I'm curious how Don LaGreca feels about that. Again, he's going to be joining us at 1030 this morning. So, uh, but really an exciting time for Rangers fans. Uh, that's for sure. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, let's do a dive into that Boston-Miami game. That's later on tonight right here on 98.7 ESPN. You'll be able to hear it right here on the radio station. Uh, Tip-off is at 8.30 tonight. And this is a, this is, I mean, does it get any better than a game seven? Um, and how blessed are we that, you know, the East now has gone to a game seven Really surprising win for the Miami Heat, their last game. Let's be honest, heading into that game, we knew Hero wasn't going to play. He was missing his third game of this series. You had Jimmy Butler, who was dealing with a knee issue, had a great game one, put up over 40 points. Game two was solid, 27 points, but then that knee definitely hurting him, cumbersome, put up 11 points, 8 points, 12 points. And then came out and had a 47-point game to keep the Miami Heat alive in Boston. Now the series goes back to Miami tonight. Tip-off is at 8.30. So, you know, I, I, I would imagine that Hero is going to be active. Again, his injury is a groin. At desperate times calls for desperate measures. It is game seven. Um, you know, th- this was, this was a, a Heat team. Now, they didn't dominate the uh the Boston Celtics you know it was a close game in fact Boston was was up by I want to say five points with just about five minutes left in 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 the fourth and uh Lowry hit crucial three-pointers as we know Jimmy Butler putting up 47 my point being is you know is is that what the Miami Heat needs from Jimmy Butler in order to get a win I think that's a tall task to ask a guy to do consecutive games especially we know he's dealing with a knee a knee ailment so uh i'm leaning towards the the boston celtics here another thing is the boston celtics they're good on the road they've been six and two on the road in the postseason and they've already won twice in miami so it's not like this is a boston celtics team coming in you know saying to themselves oh you know it's this isn't a boston celtics team who must be feeling like the rangers are going to carolina (laughs) knowing how difficult it will be to win 
uh, on that ice. No, this is very different. This is a Boston Celtics team who is A, healthier, B, I would imagine is coming in with a, a certain amount of swagger because they have won in Miami before in the, post the postseason, and they're a better team. So when we get back, I will list you all the reasons why uh, they are the better team and, uh, and why this is, I, I do believe, I, I'm just, here's the thing, I'm hoping for a competitive game. That's another thing. This series has been lackluster in that regard, right? It's been blowouts. Um, this last game, the Miami Heat winning, advancing, taking this to a seven-game series, great. But, you know, we haven't seen like that, that, that game that, that's, that keeps us on the edge of our seat, the edge of our couch. We can't miss it. Can't take a bathroom break. You don't want it to go to, to a commercial break. We haven't had one of those games in this series. And I'm really hoping tonight is that game, especially since it's a game seven. We'll, we'll find out. Uh, what say you? Your thoughts on the uh, the Boston uh, Heat game? Uh, I, I do believe that Boston was the best team coming into the postseason. And, um, and, and I do believe that if Boston wins, it will be a much better series against the Golden State Warriors in the championship more so than Miami. I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State beats Miami. I'm not going to say a sweep. I think that's asking for too much. But 4-1, um, I can see that happening. Where matchup-wise, I can see a Boston-Golden State series going the distance. So I know we don't have a dog in the fight here in, in the New York area. I don't know. Maybe some people from Boston living in New York now or, you know, snowbirds, uh, you know, up here in New York from Miami. Maybe you do have a dog in the fight. But if you don't, you're like me. You just you want you want to see a really good series. You want to see a really entertaining series. I think the Boston Golden State series will be a lot better than the Miami Heat Golden State series. Golden State's sitting back. That's another thing. They've been sitting back resting, right? They're healthy to begin with. They got their big three. They've got a deep bench, and they're sitting back healthy. The fact that this now is going to seven doesn't bode well for either Boston or Miami, who's ever going to advance to take on the Golden State Warriors. That's for sure. Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN to talk all things NBA. But Moke, so gorgeous out. Today would be a perfect day. Uh, to take in a game. So I guess I was wishing that will to happen, but uh, but no, I stand corrected. Yeah, the Yankees are, are in Tampa. They're playing indoors in a dome down in Florida. Makes no sense to me, right? Yeah, well, don't don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll catch the next one. We'll, we'll catch the next one. There, that's one thing about the baseball season. There's always going to be another game. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Can Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN? Uh, big game, Boston-Miami Game 7 tonight. You'll be able to listen to that right here on 98.7 ESPN. Coming your way at 8.30 is tip-off. Um, and this is, a, this is a, a Boston team that I thought was going to seal the deal uh, in, uh, in Game 6 at home against Miami and Jimmy Butler with a bum knee, but bum knee what? He puts up 47 points, close to putting up a triple-double. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on, on game six, Moke? I mean, I don't, I don't see how you could have – well, first of all, I will say this, Anita. Like, it's not like you, you were unique in thinking that the Celtics were going to wrap it up in, in six games. You know what I mean? Like in that kind of scenario, you know, you have a chance – to, to, to win the Eastern Conference on your home floor and behind door number two is having to go back out on the road to play a game seven in somebody else's gym. Like in that situation, I think most people 
would have bet on the Celtics to, to get it done. But, you know, Jim, Jimmy Butler just had other ideas. You know, I mean, like, it's not like he really got that much help from across the board from his other teammates. But, you know, sometimes in, in the playoffs, it's just as simple as which guy has it going that night, which guy is most <clears throat> unstoppable that night. And a guy like Jimmy Butler, I mean, you know, he goes 16 of 29 from the field, and he just comes up with, with big shots. And and I will also give a, a partial shout-out to Kyle Lowry. You know, Lowry has, has – this has not been a memorable playoff for him, uh, to say the least. No. But one thing that we, we, we credit him for is, you know, making that big three when they were down three in, in, in the final couple of minutes. You know, Lowry's the one that, that made the game-tying three-pointer that kind of – help give uh, Miami uh, an injection of life. You know what I mean? So shout, shout to Kyle Lowry for a decent performance as well. But it was really all about Jimmy Butler refusing to let his team lose. You know, going into that game six, the fact that Hero just about an hour prior to tip-off uh, reports were that he was not going to get give it a go. To me, another reason why that, on top of like we saw Jimmy Butler struggling the previous three games because of the knee issue, um, mm-hmm. on top of the fact that the bench role players coming in uh, weren't delivering uh, like they had in the past. Uh, all those reasons why I, I was I, I thought Boston would seal the deal um, at home in Game Six, but there, there's still no confirmation that Hero is going to be active tonight. I would imagine that he will be, though. I mean, it's Game Seven; it's do or die. Uh, your your thought on on Hero and and what he means to this team, especially offensively, and if he doesn't go tonight. You know, does that make you sway one way or another? Uh, I don't know if I would say that whether or not he's able to play would uh, would sway me. Now, obviously, if he is able to play, then that's gonna it's obviously gonna help Miami. You know, like Tyler Hero is is the reigning Sixth Man of the Year. He's been uh, some would argue their most consistent player all mm-hmm. season long. You know what I mean? He's such an important part of, of everything that they do. But Miami has actually showed me that they, at least at least for one game, they're able to get some big contributions from P.J. Tucker, from Max Struess, from Kyle Lowry, from Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent. I mean, uh, Duncan Robinson, even though he's been invisible this year, he's Victor Oladipo, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing about Miami. They find themselves in this situation because they're such a deep team. And even during the course of the regular season, you know, they've had guys going down left and right, and they've had guys stepping up and helping to fill the void. So on their home court in a Game 7, winner goes to the NBA Finals, I think Miami can actually get it done even if Tyler Hero. Obviously, if he does, it, 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 I guess, statistically improve their odds. But one thing that's important, Anita, is, playing is not enough right like we've actually seen in the past guys get activated and guys go out there and actually hinder their team you know what I mean like when when Tyler Hero goes out there he's going to be taking minutes away from other guys to be more productive in those so you got to be very very careful how you go about it if you're the the Miami Heat and if you're Tyler Hero and you do get cleared, you just have to be very, very honest with yourself and know what your limitations are, know how close you are to 100%, and also just be cognizant of the fact that you're going to be taking minutes and shots and reps away from Max Struess, from Kyle Lowry, from Victor Oladipo. And one of those guys may actually be more of a benefit to the team if they have those reps. 
that's uh, definitely an important decision that, that the franchise has to make. Big, big game, obviously, with, with the winner going to the NBA Finals to see the Golden State Warriors. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Again, Mo Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Here's a trend for you. Home teams win game seven six, 76% of the time, 110 to 34. At the same time, this is a Boston Celtics team, one of the best road teams coming into the postseason. They're 6-2 and two, uh, on the road in the postseason. On top of that, you look at this statistically, they're the better team. Offensive rating, assist, uh, assist performance, uh, assist percentage, rebound percentage, fast break points, uh, free throw attempts. Refs are definitely giving them more opportunities on the line as opposed to the Heat. Better three-point three shooting percentage. You know, and um, granted, and this is a big reason why they're favored. They're on the road. They're still favored by two, two and a half in some places. Um, but with that being said, in regard to the trends I just shared with you and knowing how good Boston and Boston has won twice in Miami now, you know, how, how, how big do you think home court advantage is going to be tonight? I mean, it's, it's, it's everything, <laughs> you know, like it's, uh, it, it's everything. It's, uh, that, that's why, so, so in the past couple of years, you know, we, we've kind of seen this trend where teams are, are acting like the regular season doesn't matter um, because it's like, oh, well, you know, as long as we get to the playoffs and we're healthy and, you know, our guys are relatively pain-free, you know, we'll be fine. You know, that's kind of the attitude that a lot of teams have had, um, including the Brooklyn Nets. And this is why other teams bust their hump over the course of an 82-game season to try to turn in the best record they can because they know at the end of the day you would want game seven to be on your home court. And in many instances, it does make the difference. You know, by the time guys get to the seventh game of a series, Anita, they've, they've been, you know, seeing each other, you know, Jason Tatum and, and Jimmy Butler, like they probably don't want to see each other anymore. You know what I mean? Like these guys, They've been uh, game planning for one another for two weeks now. They've been seeing each other pretty much every other day, and they're sick of they're sick of each other. And when you get to a game seven, a lot of the time you just need something extra to help kind of motivate you and kind of help uh, you know help you run through the wall, so to speak. And a lot of the time, it, it ends up being the home crowd being behind you. You know, like most of us can't relate to to what it's like to have. 19 to 20,000 people yelling and cheering for you, you know, and what that does to your adrenaline and, and how it can help you perform. And I mean, I've spoken to many players over the years that say like, no, it might sound corny and it might sound cliche, but it actually does make a big, big difference. Um, one, one quick thing I just want to add though, as far as like the whole game seven thing is concerned, I think that those, those cumulative stats are really, really interesting, Anita. But just in the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of teams, a lot of road teams win game sevens on somebody else's floor. I mean, just off the top of my head, the Mavericks did that to Phoenix just in the last round. And uh, the Bucks beat the Nets last season in game seven in Barclays. And I know there were others. You know what I mean? But just to point that out, I, I'm pretty sure over the last 10 years, we've seen that happen quite often. So I wouldn't be surprised if Boston finds a way to pull it out. Again, Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. With that being said, the Golden State Warriors, they're sitting back, uh, relaxing, getting healthy, watching, and I'm sure thrilled uh, that this series now has gone to seven because whoever does win is going to have to immediately turn around, head out to the left coast, 
to get ready to take on a Warriors team that um, just does not lose at home at the Chase Center. 9-0 and this postseason at the Chase Center. Uh, Matchup-wise, like I, I've said it, I, I, I do believe that I want to see Boston advance because, and, and not that I'm, not that I'm a fan of, of either team, even though I, I did grow up in Miami. I should be more of a fan. I'm, I'm not. But, um, you know, just matchup-wise, I, I, I anticipate a much more entertaining series with Boston than I do the Miami Heat. Ty, um, who's producing the show, and oh, by the way, Ty is coming your way following me. Uh, I'm done at noon. Ty will pick up where I leave off from noon to three, so really excited for Ty, uh, who's going to be hosting he disagrees with me. He says, hey, don't count Miami out now. I guess I am somewhat. What say you, Moke, in regard to this next series as the Warriors sit back and waiting for their opponent? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't even think it matters, man. <laughs> I, I'm not sure it matters. Uh, the, way, the way the Warriors look um, on both sides of the ball, and, I mean, the way Steph Curry is playing, Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, the synergy they have, it, it, it looks like they never left. You know what I mean? Like, at mm-hmm. this point, like, you know, the way they're playing, you know, guys moving off ball, Draymond finding everyone, then pushing in transition. Um, I, I mean, I, I like, I like uh, I was going to say open. I like the Warriors no matter who they play. Um, but as far as who I think would be the better matchup, um, I mean, I, I guess, I guess maybe I'd go Boston. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Either. It's a tough call. Uh, put it this way. If they do play Miami and Miami wants to actually make it a competitive series, Bam Adebayo has to be the most dominant big man on the floor, uh, if not one of the most dominant players. And he just hasn't been that consistently over the course of this postseason. Meanwhile, Al Horford has. You know what I mean? So that's the reason why I'm kind of like, okay, if you're going to beat the Warriors, you're going to have to establish yourself on the interior and you're going to have to find a way to slow these guys down on the perimeter. And it's just it's just not an easy feat for for either one of these guys. I'm happy you didn't ask me to make a prediction about today's game, though, because, man, I, I don't even know where I would go. Um, but what I do know is for the winner, they're going to have their hands full with the Warriors. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure that either one of these guys are going to be able to beat Steph Curry when these guys are uh, firing on all cylinders the way they've been the past couple weeks. Steph Curry MVP? Book it? Lay it now? Uh, Finals MVP? Yep. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think I would go away from him, you know. And then that is, I I think he's going to be extra motivated to actually go for it. I think you might see, I don't know if I would say a more selfish brand of basketball, but you'll probably see a very, very good brand of basketball being played from him, very assertive, very efficient. Because, Anita, for all that's been said about Steph Curry and all the accolades that he's gotten, the, the one thing that's missing from his resume is the finals MVP. Yeah, exactly, right? No KD, no um, Iguodala. <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. So, but right? the one thing missing for him, you know, so I think, I think that he'll be going for it. Great stuff as always, Moke. Always love when you're on the show with us. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, happy Memorial Day weekend to you and your beautiful family. You take care. Thanks a lot. You too. You got it. We're blessed to have Don LaGreca. Nobody knows the Rangers like Don, of course, uh, here on 98.70 SPN. Good morning, Don. Thank you so much for spending time with us on this holiday weekend. I so appreciate it. Oh, good morning, Anita. How are you? Long time no talk. 
I know. I'm, I'm great. I'm great. And, you know, full transparency, you know me, not a huge hockey fan. Don't watch it uh, at all. And, uh, but definitely have been sucked in in this postseason, specifically uh, the Rangers and how great they've been playing. Not only, of course, uh, their series against Pittsburgh, but this series against the Canes. Boy, I haven't missed a game. And um, it's just been so fun. So I'm sure it's been really, really fun for you to cover as well. And what an impressive win at home last night. My question to you, and, you know, what, what, why so different of a feel and a vibe in regard to this Rangers team playing at home? I just feel like, you know, for a number of reasons, right? Offensively, I just, I see more speed. I see better passing. I see better quality shots at the net when they're here as opposed to in Carolina. Why is that? Well, there's a couple of things at play. And in, in, it's a very underrated aspect of the NHL. And it doesn't happen a lot during the regular season that is matchups and you want to put your best defensive forwards against the best offensive line on the other team. And what's so underrated in the NHL is there is a home ice advantage of getting the last change. So on a face-off, the visiting team's got to put their players on, and then the offense, the uh, home team gets to counter. And the Jordan Stoll line with Eater Ryder and Faust has been their shut-down defensive line that they've put up against Mika Zibanejad. And, and Mika Zibanejad, I know Kreider scored 52 goals, and I know Panarin is a special player who in normal circumstances to right around 100 points a year. The engine that makes the Rangers go is Mika Zibanejad. And that line of Zibanejad, Petrano, and Kreider is what really gets the Rangers going offensively. And to put the stall line against them, it, it, it shuts them down. And, and then there's a confidence that comes with playing at home for, for Carolina for whatever reason. Their goaltender is better, Auntie Ranta. They just play better. They're undefeated at home. They won all four games against Boston so far, all three games at home here. So there's a confidence level that they play with at home that is unlike anything else. Now, they go on the road, it's the exact opposite. Their goaltender's not as good. They don't get that last line change, so the matchups do not favor them. And they've yet to win a game on the road, which is crazy. They're the first team in the history of the NHL, Anita, to lose their first six road games of a playoff run. It's, uh, it's unreal. So it gets in your head, right? That's how sports is. It's, it's confidence. It's some things that creep in your head. In a positive, when they're home, they feel like they're unbeatable. And then when they go on the road, they feel like they can't win. And, and that's just crazy. And I guess fortunate for them that Game 7 is at home. But still, it's, it's just crazy to think that this can just continue to be. At some point, you figure the worm is going to turn. And for Ranger fans, they hope it's going to be tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, listen, this is a team 4-0 in elimination games. And, and we saw just how, how amazing that was that it played out against the Penguins. Again, one more. Uh, on Monday could be it, but what a, a tall feat that must be considering, as, as you just laid out for a number of reasons, uh, to win in, in Carolina. Shesh Turkin has been absolutely unbelievable. I, I posed a show question, like, who's, who's, who's been the bigger star here in New York in May? Uh, Aaron Judge hitting the snot out of the ball or Shesh Turkin with a 92.6% save rate, which has been just tremendous. Um, 37 saves last night, two assists, could have been three. Talk about how important... Because in, in hearing a lot of the post-game press conference, a lot was discussed about those assists that he was able to contribute. Well, the thing is, is that you have, you know, you'll love the football analogy, the whole Montana to Young, Manning to Luck, like how <laughs> fortunate you are to go from one franchise quarterback to another. And the Rangers are, certainly look like they're going to go from one franchise goaltender to another. But here's the thing about Shesterkin, that he's just flat out better than Lundqvist at, and that's handling the puck. And he has become like a third defenseman back there where if you want to dump it in, 
to the corner and then have it go back behind the net. A lot of goaltenders won't go there, and if they do, they'll, they'll cough it up. They'll make a mistake. He's not afraid to handle the puck, and, and that allows him to be able to move the puck out of the zone and create assists. He had two assists last night. First Ranger goaltender to have three assists in a postseason run. Uh, John Van Biesburg did it back in 86. I mean, that's how long ago it was. And it just it really creates a, a nice dynamic to have. And then on top of that, he's really good at stopping the puck. He's got a great glove hand. And he doesn't seem to be shaking at all. He got pulled in games three and four in the Pittsburgh series. Didn't seem to bother him. Came right back. Won three straight games to win the series. He's a terrific, terrific goaltender. And listen, I don't want to compare him to Henrik Lundqvist, but it's just going to be natural because he's taking over for Hank. You know, Hank was banged up, only played two games in the first ever playoff appearance he had back in 06 against the Devils. You know, now here's Shesterkin in his first real playoff experience, and he's he's won three elimination games uh, in the first round, one here in the second round, you know, getting a chance to play in his 14th postseason game. It, it's pretty amazing what he's been able to accomplish at such a young age, and it's going to be really special to watch him throughout his career. It's, it's really going to be a difference maker for this franchise. Of course, Don LaGreca joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. So with that being said, Don, um, knowing what we know about this series and and how home ice has played such a major role, but also seeing how the Rangers uh, can score. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know here in, in New York, not necessarily so much in Carolina. What are your hopes? What are your aspirations? How do you see Game 7 playing out? Well, I think it's going to be completely opposite of what we saw last night with the seven goals. I think it's going to be a one nothing, 2-1 type of game, similar to games one and two. You know, we can talk so much about the Rangers being 0-3 on the road in this series, but outside of game five, which was really a letdown, a real disappointment, they did not play well. In games one and two, they were right there. They had a lead with less than three minutes to play in the game, one nothing. If Kako scores into that empty net that he had wide open seven minutes in, uh, or seven minutes left in the third period, they win game one, and we're talking about you know, them already winning this series. And then in game two, they were shut out, but it was a one nothing game for a long time. They made a mistake. Carolina scored shorthanded. So they were in both the first two games, and I think that's exactly how it's going to go down tomorrow. And it's just going to be about who blinks, who makes a mistake. But I think the one advantage the Rangers have is all the pressure's on Carolina, right? They were expected to win this series. They're expected to win game seven based on what's happened at home in this series, but Antti Ranta's coming off getting pulled, and Carolina's coming off one of their worst games of the series. So, hey, uh, can I just all of a sudden expect things to completely change and be different than they were in the first three games? No, but uh, do I expect them to play as well as they did in one and two and maybe catch a break? Yeah, I do. I think they're due for that. So I think uh, we're in for a real classic, and, and, the, and the closer the game is and the deeper we go into game seven, a lot of pressure is going to fall on this Hurricanes team. This is a win-now team. Many people, myself included, expected them to uh, at least get to the Stanley Cup final, if not win it. So the longer this stays competitive in Game 7, I think the Rangers will have a tremendous advantage to maybe steal this and move on to the third round. Rangers on the money line is at plus 130. I'm just saying. Mm. Um, mm, um. It's not bad odds for a team that hasn't won on the road in, in this series. and a lot. It's not, that's, not, that's not awful. Don, just out of curiosity, do you get do you get a vote for Coach of the Year? I do. I get the Jack Adams Trophy. Where the announcers get to vote, and I I, I did have um, we we put three candidates, one, two, and three, and Gerard Gallant was my second. I, I really? My, yeah, my my first was um, Brian uh, Sutter, uh, Daryl Sutter, excuse me, the, uh, the job he did in Calgary, 
and I had uh, Rod Brindamore at three, the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. So um, those were, and it's it's weird, Anita, like in sports, right? That that these are regular season um, awards that are given out. Mm-hmm. And and then you look back and you see what's happened here in the postseason and Calgary gets upset in the second round and the Rangers are playing game seven. You're like, boy, I'd like to be able to vote again right? because <laughs> you know, of what's happened in the postseason. But their regular season um, awards and then you fast forward through the postseason and then they go to Vegas at the end of the season. They hand out the awards and you go, really? What, what, what were we thinking? Because they were based on the 82 game schedule and then so much happens in the postseason. I wish the NBA and the NHL would allow you to vote after the season's over because they're both right. playoff sports right and especially in the nba where 20 of the 30 teams go to the the postseason in the nhl 16 of the 32 that the, that the postseason should kind of matter because they are both postseason driven sports and so much can happen after the regular season's over hey before i let you go uh question in regard to who advances here rangers canes uh, you've got a tampa bay lightning team that's sitting back very similar, right, to the NBA and what the Golden State Warriors are doing right now with Boston and the Heat uh, and seeing how this plays out. Who, who Who's the better matchup? Who do you feel has a better opportunity of beating the Lightning? Well, it's a great question because when you look at the way Carolina clamps down and, and to be able to, for them to be able to shut down the Kucherovs and the Stamkoses of the world, maybe you give Carolina the better shot. But, God, it's hard to ignore. If the Rangers can win this game seven, what can't they accomplish, Anita, right? I mean, that would be 5-0 and in elimination games. Um, you wonder if Tampa might be a little bit uh, rusty. Having It'll be nine days between games when they play game one on Wednesday. Um, Carolina and the Rangers would both have home ice advantage. So I would maybe say Carolina, just how structurally they're so good at home and how they can shut down offensive teams. But I wouldn't put anything past the Rangers. But this Tampa team, they've won back-to-back Stanley Cups, 10 straight series wins for the Lightning. And they're an older team that are probably going to take advantage of the rest. Uh, whoever comes out of this Game 7 tomorrow, Anita, is going to have a very, very tall order against this Tampa Bay Lightning team. It's pretty epic what they've been able to accomplish there. And last but not least, Tuesday night, Oilers and Avalanche. I like the over here at 7. A lot of offensive. I know it's going to be fun to watch this yeah. series, right? Uh, over, over under 7, by the way. Over... Is it plus one ten? I know that's a hefty number, but uh, but you know a lot of firepower here. Your your thoughts on this on on this matchup and who do you think advances? Well, the one thing the NHL has really suffered from Anita is getting their best players to play on the on the biggest stage. And and, and uh, Leon Drysital, Connor McDavid of Edmonton, and Nathan McKinnon are, are three of the top five players in the National Hockey League. And for them to be able to play each other in the third round is going to be epic. Goaltending hasn't been great. Kemper for Colorado. Mike Smith, who's 40 years old for Evanston, he's a great story. But when you consider the goaltending and then the, the firepower on both of these teams, and it's not just the, the three guys that I mentioned. Landis Skog is great, and and uh, Rantanen for, for Colorado, and um, uh, Vander Kane has had an amazing, amazing series for Edmonton. Yeah, it, it's this, this is going to be a fun series, and I like Colorado just because I think the goaltending is a little bit better, and it's their time. They've... They've had some trouble getting out of the second round in the past, but they're exceptionally well coached with Jared Bednar. Uh, I like their blue line better than Edmonton's. Uh, I I think Colorado wins that series, but it's going to be epic, and the over is definitely a needed way to bet in this one because goals are going to be flying in this series. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to look like a completely different sport than what we've seen with Rangers and Hurricanes because uh, the goals are going to be a plenty in that series. Great stuff, Don. Again, Don LaGreca joining us. Of course, you could hear him uh, every day, Monday through 
uh, Friday right here on 98.7 ESPN with, of course, uh, Michael Kay and Peter. Uh, appreciate your time, especially during a, a holiday weekend. Please, uh, much love to your mother and your wife and oh. your beautiful children. And, uh, and, and just please know how much I appreciate your time, Don. Thank you. And you're good for August 20th, right? I am. Promote okay, that. Let, let, yeah, my- let everybody... They we're putting it together. Mark Sasso, we're doing it again, uh, and looks like we're just we're kind of ironing out the day, but it looks like it's going to be August twentieth at five o'clock, and we're just putting all the finishing touches uh, on it. But uh, it's Anita does it every single year. It is so much fun. So we'll have more and more details as we get closer. But it looks like August twentieth is going to be the date, and I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Don, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. All right, you too. Take care. You got it. Don LaGreca, uh, great insight in regard to the Rangers. Give you hope. Give me hope. (laughs) Gave me hope in regard to Monday night, that's for sure. This is Click. 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 Or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way that we take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport and we find out what is trending at 11.02 a.m. on this Sunday morning. Tom is producing the show. He leads the way. Uh, Tom, what do you got for us? All right. So let's start off in college baseball, believe it or not, a 47-run, yes, 47-run baseball game. I'm clicking that. Like, come on. So this was a 47-run baseball game between UCLA and Oregon State on Saturday in the Pac-12 tournament. Before I go into any more details, first of all, I want to shout out my alma mater, the Hofstra Pride. Uh, They are going Ah. into the CAA championship for the first time today. So if they win, they will be going on to the NCAA tournament. Now back to this. Uh, The 47 combined runs are the most in a Division I game this season out of more than 8,000 games. The last time this happened in an MLB game with 47-plus runs was August 25th of 1922 when the Cubs beat the Phillies 26-23. Now, believe it or not, this game went into extra innings as well where the Oregon State Beavers, they blew a 21-12 lead in the ninth inning. Then they bounced back in the 10th to score more runs and then Tommy Beres would hit a three-run home run in the bottom of the 10th inning, and that gave UCLA the 25-22 to win. But a 47-run game. I Listen, I, I've played baseball in the past. I've been part of a lot of long games. I couldn't imagine the mental toll this would take just to even get through this game and blow a nine-run lead in the final inning. It's, it's, it's really unbelievable. I, you know, sometimes like, and, and, you know, I, I play a lot of softball in, in my day and, you know, a lot of times like, you know, you're you, a team, you catch wind and the floodgates open and, and, and there's no stopping, um, you know, just, just, you know, the, uh, the momentum, right. That, that you feel in, in that dugout and whatnot, but man, I mean, <laughs> did they say, did they say what's, what was the time on that game? Like how long, like how many hours was that game? Does it, does it say? I'm scrolling up and down the article. Believe it or not, they didn't list the total time of that game. I'm actually going to have to wow. do a little bit more research into that, but oh my. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just curious the length of that game. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine this had to go over like, my guess would be like over five hours. Oh, for sure. For sure. I would imagine so. Um, 
In fact, I, I, I miss, I miss my softball days. I miss playing softball. That was a lot of fun. Anyway, what else you got? All right. So this one is a little bit more of a somber story. Uh, Mm -mm. no, you don't want to. No, no, go ahead. I'm I'm just, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. So after the fight between Gervonta Davis and Rolando Romero last night, there was an incident at the Barclays Center. Click or don't click. Uh Oh, Oh, yeah. Barclays. Yeah. Piques my interest. What happened? So supposedly there were what people called gunfire. They thought Mm -mm. they heard sound disturbances coming from the arena or just outside the arena. And unfortunately, this caused a stampede um, last night where 10 10 people suffered injuries um, Mm. during this stampede. There apparently were no serious injuries reported. Uh, but the panic caused people exiting the arena to run back inside the arena. And there are pictures and videos all across social media showing the damage inside the arena. And there's just broken, like, glass everywhere. Like, just, I'm looking at oh, no. an, I'm looking at an escalator right now, and that's damaged as well. Um, Naomi Osaka, the uh, famous tennis star, was actually in attendance. And she was tweeting about this. And here's what she said. Um, I was just in the Barclays Center, and suddenly I heard shouting and saw people running. Then we were being yelled at that there was an active shooter, and we had to huddle in a room and close the doors. I was so blanking petrified, man. Um, Listen, a a few things. Number one, uh, God bless that that wasn't the case. Um, I hope everyone who unfortunately got got injured uh, there last night um, is is not serious and a speedy recovery, but— you know, one would only imagine, Tom, like based on on, you know, what 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 is happening right now in our country and specifically just days after what we saw happen at that elementary school in Texas, that you have to be on high alert. Right. If, if you hear something that sounds like gunshots, but you're not sure now you're more you lean more to, more towards believing that they were gunshots as opposed to being doubtful. Oh, gunshots in my neighborhood. No. You know, so. Um, I think, I think it's, it's a mixture of just, you know, just all of us here being on high alert because of, because of what's happened. I I shared this with you guys yesterday and, and that is, I can't help that if I'm in a restaurant or, you know, I I go into any type of establishment, whatever the case may be, like I, 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 I survey the joint. I look and I see like, you know, where, where are the exits, where are the exit doors? Who's here? How would I find my way out? If something was to happen, where could I hide? Like, I, I know that sounds morbid, but more times than not, uh, you know, I, I, I think about that, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really, it's, 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 it's a frightening time. So I, I would, I would imagine that the reaction and what happened there at the Barclays was uh, a, a knee jerk effect in regard to what this country experienced just a few days ago. Absolutely, Anita. And I mean, again, thankfully, this wasn't anything serious. I think I don't recall seeing anything to say what that sound exactly was. But I mean, just echoing on what you were talking about. I mean, I even got a double take when I walk into a place too. like right after the Colorado movie shooting where I believe the Dark Knight Rises was coming out. I would always Mm -hmm. go to the movies back then. Like I would have to make sure like my parents would make sure hey, you got to make sure you know where the exits are. And, like, I don't think I understood it fully at that time in my life. But, I mean, now it's just the way things are going, it, it gives a little bit more clarity into what their mindset was and what the mindset of 
everybody in the arena was last night. Uh, by the way, uh, Blue Penguin Bets just uh, sent me a tweet saying that that baseball game lasted five hours, 44 minutes with 20 unintentional walks, five errors, and 16 total pitchers. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I was just about to say I had the uh, stats for the time, but oh, my God, that is that is incredible. I mean, five hours, five hours and 44 minutes. I, I mean, I called a I called a game once where the team scored 27 runs like and the other team, I think, only scored like nine or something like that. But this is beyond ridiculous. And this is a tournament game, too, in the Pac-12. Like these are two of the best teams in the country. Well, you can argue doing this, too. I mean, absolutely incredible. Uh, what else do you got? <clears throat> Uh, that was the two main stories that I could find that are trending on social media. Um, I mean, obviously, Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham was the other big one that's catching baseball by storm this week, and we were talking about that. Uh, Tommy Pham released a statement um, where um, he said some stuff he doesn't contone, and he had to address it. Um, that's why he slapped Jock, and that's pretty much as far as he went with that. Um but those are the two big things that are going on on social media right now is the UCLA game and then the Brooklyn Arena, what happened last night. Also, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, Tony La Russa, uh, not, uh, not an advocate, uh, disagrees with, uh, with what the Giants manager, Gabe Kapler, is doing in regard to protesting the anthem. Uh, that's what's trending as well. Um, and then, you know, and then, and then, and then beyond the obvious, right. And, and we've got the Miami heat and the Celtics and that is game seven tonight, 8 30 PM is tip off right here on 98.7 ESPN that you'll be able to listen to. Uh, so that's going to be a fun one. And, uh, and, and obviously in, in regard to the NHL and, uh, the Rangers winning yesterday. So now they're forcing a game seven and that game seven will be played on Monday night. Again, another game that you'll be able to listen to right here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, not a lot trending in, in regard to the NFL. Just looking here, um, you know, uh, b- besides, and, and, it's, and it, it's, it's not trending today, but what's been trending this week is the fact that Colin Kaepernick did get an opportunity to strut his stuff and work out for the Las Vegas Raiders uh, even though they were, they let him leave the building and they did not sign him. Um, I heard in in a number of the text messages that I sent out to those in the know, uh, they were thoroughly impressed with his tryout and his workout. They felt that his arm looked great and uh, he's in great shape, even though he hasn't played since 2016. And of course, uh, he's 34 years old, but uh, but nonetheless, no contract for him. So, you know, obviously. I, and and this is what we're going to do. Let's take a break. We come back because I, I don't think I, I had an opportunity to share these teams with you yesterday. Um, and, 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 I, and, I, and I'm going to bring it full circle here in New York because I feel the same way in regard to Daniel Jones. I went and I, I took a look around the NFL and wrote out a number of teams and quarterbacks who, again, I'm not sitting here telling you that Colin Kaepernick is a better quarterback than them. What I'm saying is I think anyone could make a solid argument. I think you can make an argument that Kaepernick potentially could be better than this list of 
teams and quarterbacks that are expected to start in the NFL. Another thing that I stumbled upon, and that is in the NFC, it is a sad state of affairs when it comes to quarterbacks this season.